You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Tuesday, May 9th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn, and you are riding home with me. I'm cutting out of work a little early today because the computer is giving me fits, and I'm hoping when I get home and plug into my home office that the fits will be gone. I've been working on the same spreadsheet all day, a giant report for corporate, and it just disappeared. All the work I did disappeared, and luckily, the IT guy was able to get it back for me. So at once, I'm happy about getting all my work back, because I did not want to do all that work again. But I'm also sad that I had to use the IT guy. There was a time when I was the IT guy, and I was the person people called for that, for that help, but now... I was just helpless. Helpless, 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 helpless. Now I'm so helpless. That's a Crosby, Stills, and Nash song, in case you didn't know. And uh, <coughs> I did not do it as well as Neil Young. Had a little scratch in my throat. I've been dealing with the scratches in my throat. Do I have any cough drops in here? I thought I got my cough drops this morning. There's no drugstore near my office, just out in the middle of nowhere. When I worked at Field Turf, there was a Dollar General one mile in either direction. And when I'm out here, if, you know, if I don't get cough drops, just tough, tough for me. I don't have a full show, by the way. I'm sorry. And I'm trying to get home because my daughter's got a chorus concert. I have to miss my soccer practice to go to my daughter's chorus concert. She's missing practice, too. We have one more game. One more game, and one of the reasons I haven't been uploading the shows on in a timely manner, you guys probably noticed, I just uploaded last week's shows from, what, Thursday and Friday on Sunday? And that was because I've been messing around with my soccer camera. We had two games this weekend, and I had to film them and get those uploaded, and then I got to watch them and make comments. We got behind for the first time in the whole season uh, Sunday afternoon, but we came back and won, and if we can win one more game, one more game, we'll be undefeated. So all my thoughts are focused on that, but I want to try and just try and pull them back in and focus on the Christian commute here. And I'm going to try to enjoy this chorus concert. I'm just sitting there like I'm missing practice for this, so I need to work on this, that, and the other. The assistant coach has it well in hand, I'm sure. All right. We're continuing in the Through Seminary series, and we're almost through with it. After this, we've got three more. This is Through Seminary Cult Theology, and we're in the fall of 2017. Cult Theology. And uh, I've got a Kool-Aid. It's a hot day. It's a hot day here, so I got a... uh, a cold bottled water. Do you guys ever get the bottles of water? I mean, it's just Kroger, it's Kroger brand. Actually, it's Walmart brand. Just the cheap bottled water, and you put the bottle in your refrigerator, and it gets nice and cold. That's what I got right now, and I put a little Kool-Aid squirt in it. 
and I had to ha sit back and have a drink of something after my IT catastrophe. Quit riding my tail, little Chevy Bolt. Somebody's riding my butt on... Is this Highway 41? What, what road is this? The Dalton Connector? Whatever road this is. And you're a little, oh, it's a Chevy Spark. Riding my butt. Usually you see little cars like that going about five miles an hour because that's as fast as they can go. Because this woman apparently just can't get home fast enough. Probably just got out of the textile factory and is trying to get home. Alright. Cult theology. And we continue in the Bible chapter review. Matthew chapter 21 verses 18 through 22. So Jesus has gone to Bethany to spend the night after cleansing the temple and leaving Jerusalem. Now he's He's woken up the next day. He's on his way back to Jerusalem. Now in the morning when he was returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, No longer shall there ever be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, How did the fig tree wither all at once? And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And all that you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Matthew chapter 21, verses 18 through 22. And I have to think that Jesus withered this fig tree to teach the disciples and eventually us a lesson. It doesn't say that in the text, but one has to think that. It seems, it seems kind of silly to think Jesus was mad at a fig tree, so he cursed it for the sake of cursing it because the fig tree had let him down. There has to be some meaning here. But Jesus was hungry because he's a man. He's the God-man. So what's going on? Jesus is riding into town in the morning. Maybe his breakfast wasn't big enough at wherever he stayed in Bethany. He sees a fig tree on the side of the road. He's gonna he's gonna go by and pluck a fig tree. You know, a road apple, if you will. Except it's not an apple; it's a fig. But there's nothing on the fig tree. It has borne no fruit, or either that, or all the fruit has been picked. So what, what does Jesus do? He goes, you know what? No more fruit for you. And he curses the fig tree. And the fig tree withers. It was... it. By the way, it looked like it should have fruit. It looked like a healthy tree. But it wasn't. And he withered it. And the disciples are like, whoa. So once again, Jesus is controlling nature. We, we can go back to how amazed they were. Who is this that even the winds obey him? And, he, and they were amazed that he withered this fig tree just all at once. It wasn't that, the, you know, you, we all watch trees die over time. But this all at once, that's unusual. And seeing the amazement of the uh, disciples, Jesus says, you can do more than wither this fig tree. You can say to a mountain, be taken up and, and be thrown into the sea. And by the way, I think when he's talking about 
moving the mountain into the sea, he's not literally saying that the disciples need to tell mountains to jump into the sea. Because to my knowledge, they never did that and it's never happened. I think he's talking about doing something really big in comparison to killing a tree. I mean, Harvey Updike can kill a tree, the guy who killed the Tumor's Corners trees, you know. Let's see Harvey Updike move a mountain. I, I gotta drink, I gotta drink my Kool-Aid. Yeah, the discernment guy's drinking the Kool-Aid, in case anybody was thinking. About that. All right. So Jesus gives an example of something much more significant than withering a tree, telling a mountain to move, be taken up, and be thrown into the sea. And Jesus says, you can do that if you ask it in prayer, believing. I didn't look it up. I bet that is uh, that same <laughs> Greek uh, participle, pistouion, believing. Believing, you can do this. If you ask in prayer. Who does the fig tree represent? It doesn't say this. You have to, it's just there. Jesus is going to Jerusalem. It looks like the city of the Jews. It's got a temple in it. It's full of Jews. They're there for Passover. It's got chief priests and scribes. But does he find any fruit? Or has the temple become a den of robbers? What Jesus does here is a destructive act. He destroys this tree that wasn't bearing fruit, that looked like it should have been. There, the lone tree on the side of the road to provide some small benefit, some respite to hungry, weary travelers. No fruit. None withered. Now, think about how the faith healers take this, uh, this verse, or the, the ultra-Pentecostals take this verse. And you guys always try to tell you, the Bible chapter review is about what it means, not what it not means, but sometimes, what it doesn't mean. But now, sometimes we have to tell you what it doesn't mean. You'll believe, if you just believe in faith, you can pray to be healed, whatever. Move the mountains, believing in faith. Name it and claim it. And those people, those word faith people, they think we're little gods and we can create reality with our words. But they think, they, Jesus isn't really creating here. He's destroying, isn't he? He's withering the tree. And a mountain being thrown into the sea is another destructive act. The disciples are going to face the wickedness of the Jews. Think about after... Uh, Jesus is crucified and they're hiding in the upper room. What? For fear of the Jews. And they eventually have to go stand before the Sanhedrin. And they say, we will not stop preaching. We will not. And Jesus tells them elsewhere in Scripture, you're going to get called on the carpet. The Holy Spirit will give you the words to say then. And of course, they didn't have carpet back then. That's, a, uh, that's my rough... Uh, Para, uh, paraphrase so what I think Jesus is saying here to 
the disciples, if they believe in Him and trust in Him and trust in God ultimately, whatever obstacle stands before them, whether it's a fruitless tree or a mountain in their way, they can move it. And with that, we'll end the Bible chapter review and we'll go on past the question segment because there is no question. If you have a question about theology and apologetics, if anybody still listens, you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Or you can dial 470-315-0875. The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance. We may be in the waning days of the Christian commute. People have ceased to write in. I don't do the show as much as I used to. Three days a week. Don't up- I used to get home and upload it right away. But now there's just other things taking precedence in my life. And less people are interested in the show. Don't worry. My autism will not allow me to be incomplete. So I still have not done... Uh, Luke and John on the Christian commute yet and I haven't done Revelation so I will I will finish those I'm not I don't I'm not going to quit the show and be like I'm just done nobody writes in anymore but after I finish Revelation and that might be a year or two year two years from now you know we know the pace at which the show moves and I still have no idea how I'm going to do Bible chapter reviews on Revelation the plan, the plan when I did that was to somehow reformat the show to do a Bible chapter review of the Old Testament, which is, is just a lot different than New Testament reviews just because the genre of the books and, and what's going on, uh, the lessons are a little, they're not harder to pluck out, it's just they're longer. So I wasn't sure how I was going to do the Old Testament. But now when I get to the Old Testament, I don't know, I might just stop. If, because people aren't writing in anymore. People maybe have moved on. Maybe the Christian commute will have run its course when I get done with the New Testament. And, I don't know, that'll be over 1,500 episodes by then. But, eh, not the greatest time on the Christian commute right now. But send those questions in, because it makes the show better. I did thankfully sort of luck into this show topic idea. I think this series of show topics has been as interesting as anything that I've done on the Christian commute. And it's it's gotten me through a lot of shows, but there's only three left in this one. So let's get to it. Through seminary, cult theology. Now if you were to look on my transcript, it would not say cult theology. It would say independent directed study in theology because here's what happened this course was offered for the fall semester and I was sort of excited about it because it was on the list of apologetics electives and some of the apologetics electives didn't interest me at all like the C.S. Lewis class I don't want to take that he's not even a Baptist but cult theology oh that is an autistic apologists dream it's learning all the little rules and 
and uh, where they fall into the classifications of religions of all the different cults that are out there and they're wrong and we're going to discern them I didn't know I was autistic at the time but I'm oh let me take that so I signed up for it and I signed up with Dr. Stewart he was supposed to be the professor and then I got an email from the school we're not going to teach this class not enough people signed up and I was bummed out I think somebody mentioned to me, maybe you can do an independent study. Because I wrote back and I'm like, yeah, I get it. But I've got to take something. And I've only got Hebrew and two apologetics electives left. So I actually need an apologetics elective. And somebody suggested an independent study. So I wrote Dr. Stewart an email. Dr. Stewart, would you be willing to do this independent study for me? No. He refused. And I really, I don't, I don't even really know what I was asking. I don't know how much work goes into doing an independent study. You basically have a class of one person, which now you have an extra responsibility to grade the papers and fill out the paperwork on the computer. And that, what do they give you for it? Fifty dollars? I don't know. What you make as a professor for for independent study? So Dr. Stewart was not interested. And. I, I can't remember the email I sent, but I think I even included my sob story of, oh, i got to take this. It's the last thing I have left. So he said no. So I asked my boy, Ryan Putman, and he came through for me. Ryan Putman did this independent study for me in cult theology. And, you know, maybe they paid him 50 bucks. So he did me a solid. Thank you, Dr. Putman for doing that uh oh weather looks ominous it's about do you guys know that I have to miss my son's playoff baseball game for this chorus concert my daughter was like about to cry if I wasn't going to come I was like alright so I would have had to miss the playoff ba the, the baseball game anyway uh, for soccer practice and it bothers me because they're playing my friends team like the guy who coaches basketball with me on the boys side is coaching this baseball team and we're playing against him so we've got friends on the team I just wanted to be around him but it's not going to happen anyway as the ominous weather bears down upon me let's talk about my independent directed study in cult theology obviously this fits right into the curriculum for apologetics because it's how to identify faiths that are corrupting the Bible like Mormonism and uh, the Watchtower, Jehovah's Witnesses. So the, the textbook for this course is actually a binder, a three-ring binder full of, I think they're one-page, or maybe they're two-page front, no, it's one-page front and back documents from Watchman Fellowship. It's called the Watchman Fellowship Profile Notebook. I think you can order it on their website for about 40 or 50 bucks. Or if you don't want to order it from the website, you can go online and get all the PDFs for free and print them out yourself. But if you order it from the website, they give you a little phone app that goes with it. And basically, they say this is a religious profile notebook from acupuncture to Zen Buddhism, A to Z. And it's got every religious offshoot and cult that you could think of. You know, there's a profile on the New Age. There's a profile on there's a profile on Burning Man. 
There's a profile on people who say they have the Star Wars force for their religion. There's a profile on Mormonism, Armstrongism, Jehovah's Witnesses. There's a profile on Roman Catholicism. You name it. Reiki healing, I think there's a profile on that. Buddhism, Hinduism. Rastafarianism, I think there's one on that. And one of the assignments of my independent study class was to order this book and read every one of those profiles. And I did. I, wrote, I read every one of them. And then there was an assignment to read a book about a cult. Not the occult. A cult. And write a book review of it. I chose Unmasking the New Age by Doug Roteheis. Uh, who was one of the early guys who warned about the New Age, and he's still warning about yoga today. So my book review was on that. It's an old book. I think it's from the late 80s. That's when the New Age started to get popular and enter into church culture. I remember uh, when I went to Woodland Park as a kid, I think they had to fire the music minister because he got into New Age stuff. His name, what was his name? Jerry or something like that. And now I am in a tempest. I'll turn the Whoa! Oh, you know what? This would be perfect if it rained out my baseball game. It rained out the baseball game, and I could sit inside and listen to this chorus concert and not miss baseball. Oh no, I'm coming out of it. It's, you know, it's one of these. Uh, is it summer yet? I think it's still spring. You know one of these summertime squalls that just pops up, but then you get right through it. I don't even know if it's raining in Cartersville. Anyway, that's what I did my uh, paper on. And, oddly enough, I didn't have to do any review or writing about the Watchman Profile Notebook, and it's it would have been hard to, because these profiles, they're not whole books about cults. They're little one-page front and back four-part profiles. They, they're, they're meant to be sort of like a summary briefing or executive summary. Somebody might give the president about a subject. That's the idea. And by the way, Robert Stewart wrote a couple of them. So did his wife and so did Ron Putman. Uh, those guys, uh, they, were, they are now or were at one time on the board at Watchman Fellowship, which is one of my favorite parachurch ministries. And then the big assignment was to do uh, a paper on the systematic theology of a cult. I chose the Watchtower. And you can find this, Watchtower theology, or what does the Watchtower believe. You can find this uh, paper on Pulpit and Pen and my personal blog if you search for it. And it's basically, what does the Watchtower believe about God? What do they believe about Jesus? What do they believe about creation, the world, etc., etc.? And then how does that deviate from the biblical worldview? But this course was instrumental. It was really a turning point in my life theologically because one of the most interesting things that I read in the Watchman Fellowship Profile Notebook was their profile on Freemasonry. And it struck me that Mormonism had been done to death. There's apologetic material out there on Mormonism. It's refuted, and we know what it is. Same thing for the Jehovah's Witnesses. 
but not a lot of work had been done on Freemasonry and how unbiblical and unchristian that is. And unlike Mormonism and Jehovah's Witnessism, Watchtowerism, those people were not in local Baptist churches. And I've said this a million times on this podcast. You guys who've been listening for a while or for a long time are going, here he goes again. He's going to talk about Freemasonry again. And I, I mean, I've wrote a book on, I'm written, I've written a book on Freemasonry. I've talked about it to death on this podcast. But this was the course that sort of turned me on to the wickedness of that religion, of that cult, the demonic cult of Freemasonry. I read that profile notebook and I said, I want to know more about this. I am going to study more about this. And this is going to be like my thing as an apologist. Some guys, Mormonism, like James White, used that Mormonism used to be his thing before he talked about Leighton Flowers and riding his bike. Mormonism was his thing. All right. So I was like, this is going to, I'm going to be the expert on Freemasonry. So I started really digging into it and I would, I would write blog articles about how this is the unbiblical part about Freemasonry. This part's unbiblical. I'd read the Freemason texts as much as you could get them. And as Providence would have it by this time, I had moved to Roland Springs Baptist Church. I stopped going to Expedition Church. I've talked about that in a previous episode. After the pastor invited a Roman Catholic to speak, like preach the Sunday sermon, then couldn't figure out why there was anything wrong with that, or at least admit it. Come on, Tim, you know it was wrong. And then played a clip from Revenge of the Sith in church to demonstrate the wrong way to seek power, dunamis. That's Greek for power. Let's watch Star Wars. And then I was just like, I'm done. What a stupid... I'm not taking my family here. This is stupid. So I started going to Roland Springs Baptist Church. I liked it. I kicked the tires there for six months before I joined. But there was this one guy there, Jim, who'd always come to say hi to me. Super nice guy. And I just got a feeling about like, this guy, he feels like a Mason to me. And I don't know why. I just would wonder, is this guy a Mason? And I didn't know a lot of Freemasons. I, re- I really didn't. I, I didn't know much about it. I didn't, like my best friend's dad was a Freemason and that guy's like family to me. I, he's dead now, but I never knew it until he told me much later after I'd started my little anti-Freemasonry crusade in Cartersville. So I really didn't know a lot about their culture other than what I'd read, but this guy, just the sense I got from him. Freemason. It's not something I'm just going to ask. Are you a Freemason? like asking somebody, are you gay? Because it's a sin if you are. And I'm a sense, you know. So I didn't, uh, but it's, I, was it revealed to me, liver shivered by God? I don't know. But I just got the sense that he was. <clears throat> so during this course, I just decided to Google Cartersville Masonic Lodge. Our lodge in Cartersville is number 63. There's five in Bartow County. And do you know who turned out to be the chaplain? That guy, Jim. And I joined Roland Springs anyway, and I shouldn't have, because I asked the pastor, are there any Freemasons? He goes, we don't have any Deacon Freemasons. We used to have one. We don't have any. And he acted like, oh, I guess Jim, you know, they're like, oh, well, Jim is, but, you know. Didn't seem to be a problem there. And I'd been going there for six months, and I was basically going to take over a Sunday school class, because the teacher, I really like the Sunday school class. The teacher was moving to Texas. So I joined 
And then I got convicted about not saying anything to this guy via Matthew 18 because he was a Freemason. Because it's a sin to be a Freemason. It's syncretism to be a Freemason and a Christian. The church should put Freemasons out, as I've said before, if they won't repent of it, if they won't leave the lodge. If you got a drunk who won't quit drinking, you got to put him out. If you got an adulterer who won't stop cheating on his wife, you got to put him out. And if you've got a syncretist who won't start, uh, stop his idolatry, you got to put him out of church. And I'll never forget, I got the paper, the black and white printed paper, a newspaper. And the reason I got the newspaper is because I, I moved into a house. I moved during this time, too, because I needed a bigger yard and a bigger house because my family was expanding. And the guy who lived in the house bef before I moved in there was older, so he had a newspaper subscription. So I'd get his newspaper subscription. So every, whenever the newspaper would come, I'd pick it up at the end of the driveway, and then I'd walk it out to the trash to throw it away. But I, I might pull out the coupons or something. And one particular day, the newspaper came. I pulled out the obituary, and I saw that Freddie Gunn had died. Now, I didn't know Freddie Gunn, but I knew Freddie Gunn Jr. Because he, I'd see him at church at Rolling Springs. He was a member there. And he was in charge of a ministry there called Feed and Seed. And he was, he, actually, he was also running for political office in town as the magistrate judge. Which, by the way, in Bartow County, the guy who's the magistrate judge now, Judge Bryson, is not a Mason. But all the rest of them have been. That I know of. So, this guy's a Mason. But I don't, Freddie's a Mason. I don't know it. But his dad, his obituary said, you know, he was the, he did this, that, and the other with his life, and he had this, that, and the other. He's a real popular guy around town. And then he said he was a member of this Freemason Lodge. He was buried, or will be buried, with Freemason, with the Freemason ceremony. And his funeral will be at Roland Springs Baptist Church. Now, number one, I was embarrassed and ashamed that my church was mentioned in the same sentence as this pagan ritual, this wicked anti-gospel pagan ritual. And number two, I was convicted because like, I, I've been not saying anything to these Freemasons. What if they died? What if they die and go to hell unrepentant of their sin? Just like, just like this Freddy guy who was a Freemason. And people can say, oh, they don't really believe that, Seth. Well, how do I know they don't really believe, you know, they're in the religious lodge and they don't really believe the religious aspect of it. Well, maybe maybe my church is just a social club to them too. Maybe they don't really believe the gospel. I don't know. I really believe the gospel and Freemasonry is a stench in my nostrils. It's wicked. So I couldn't sit in there and blaspheme God and say, I don't really believe in it. No, it's blasphemy. So that's, that's how I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it like real true syncretism. So I said, you know what? I gotta say something. I've got to say something. And I'd gone to this church for six months before I joined. I'd become a Sunday school teacher. And you know what? After being in seminary for all these years and not doing any official ministry in church while I was doing it, because when you're in seminary, you're almost too busy to do official ministry in church. Al Moeller says, yeah, he's seminary president, so surprise, surprise. When you're in seminary, that's your ministry. You don't have to try and do all these other things. But I was teaching Sunday school, and I was enjoying it. It was a great class. And I'll, I'll still say today I've been chastised about this. I think it was the best Sunday school class in Bartow County. 
I really do. Uh-oh, traffic. I think there's a wreck up ahead. I'm going to get off at the Chatsworth 411 exit. I'm not taking any chances. It doesn't look good up there. <sighs> and I'm sitting here thinking, do I want to turn on the navigation, lady? I think I know how to get home from here. Oh, yeah, I know where I am. I don't like to go home this way. Oh, especially in the rain. It's going to be all jammed up. Gross. What gross weather. I really don't want my soccer practice to get canceled. Those girls need it. Anyway. I knew that if I did something, I would be, you know, risking this comfortable spot I had in church. I finally had a church that didn't, I mean, I'm sorry, Expedition Church sucked. The people were really nice, but the sermons were so, so bad. It sucked. And I finally had a church where the services didn't suck, where there's actually uh, biblical preaching from the Bible. And Brother Joe, he's not the kind of guy who's going to step on somebody's toes. He didn't, you know, he's far from fire and brimstone. But he would preach through the Bible and say good things. <coughs> And the music there, they didn't play a bunch of Hillsong. And I had a good Sunday school class. There was a nice group of kids there for my... It was, just, it was a good church to be at, except for the Freemasonry. And I didn't know how deep it was. And I think I'll talk about that a little tomorrow. Because the next course I'm doing is Historical Jesus. But that happened at the seminary during the Defend the Faith workshop. So that's the work I did. You know, the, reading the notebook, writing the paper for my cult theology class. But this one stuck with me in, in that I learned about a very real cult that was in my town and around me and in my church that set me up for sort of one of the most uh, eventful times in my life at church. A spiritual warfare, if you will. And I think I'll talk about that, Lord willing, tomorrow on the Christian Commune. And if, hey, if you got a question about a cult, well, you can buy that notebook or you can write to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. SethDunn88 at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. As always, God bless. And as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to SethDunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.